Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Direct Xbox number seven, as Nate coughs the whole time. There was a long pause before all of that, and Nate just immediately starts coughing as I do the intro. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. I thought I hit mute. We you okay over there, it. Nate? How are we doing other than the rampant coughing, apparently, that we're going to be dealing with for the next hour plus? I thought I had hit the mute button, but I did not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I unmuted when I started the cough accidentally. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. I was drinking play water. Play I was drinking water and it didn't go down right. Okay. Well, Nate's here as usual. When we have, we actually have uh, some big stuff to talk about because since the last time we recorded, the Activision Blizzard deal has officially closed. So now it's more about the path forward as opposed to basically just standing in still for about a year and a half trying to figure out if, if they're ever going to go forward with it. So that's great because there's actual possibilities to discuss from here. And in fact, we did get some insight from Phil Spencer in a Xbox podcast where he talked about game pass and some of his hopes, I feel like going forward with this. We also had the MPD sales that, uh, We'll say showed an interesting position for Starfield, and I think paints a pretty good picture for Microsoft's strategy with some of these big releases. We had some stuff that did go into Game Pass. One that Nate said he was going to try. We'll see. And another that I think, as I'm going through it and I'm finishing it up, could be an under-the-radar Game of the Year candidate that not many people are talking about right now. And Halo Infinite might be making the comeback. So all that and more today in this episode i do want to give a shout out to some of the executive producers over on the spawncast network that's patreon.com slash spawncast or spawncastnetwork.com we have john o the ever-present john o joshua butts mr job varang 69 fortnite no scope davinky let me tell it to him straight yoink mine now john spoils final fantasy 7 patel didn't think i could do it but i did there it is and william hoke so shout out to all the supporters over on the Spawncast Network. Appreciate it. We've been doing a lot of fun stuff over there. Just did Party Animals actually on the Xbox, and that was a that was a great time. The Alliance got renamed, embarrassed at some points, and then we wanted hockey. What? See, that's all I had to do to get Nate to unmute his mic finally. That is just a nonsensical lie, and people watching the video will discover this lie. The alliance is as strong as ever. Sean and I cannot be topped. We are the greatest tag team in the history of video games. Well, it's live now over on the network, so people should go go over there, check it out. Let's Let's start, though, at the top here, Nate, with the big news. Activision Blizzard finally closing. It was 20 months, though. This whole thing was going on. It started January of last year, 2022, and it wrapped up uh, just last week, basically. And in their press release, they did talk about quite a bit that also included Nintendo and Sony in there. Uh, that has to do mostly with their well, now, I don't want to say forced nature, but having to put Call of Duty on those other platforms with the deals that have been signed, but also just discussing the idea of maybe some of their other franchises still continue to go to different platforms. Something like Minecraft we've seen in the past has been, I mean, incredible for Microsoft as that recently passed 300 million copies sold. But 20 months, 20 months of talking about this. It took a while. It's done. So what what do we think, Nate, about this whole saga? Because we learned a lot, didn't we? We we saw in the in the in the court cases a lot of documents, things leaking out. We got a whole picture of the snapshot in time of what Microsoft thought their next generation could even be back in 2020. 
Yeah, a lot over the last 20 months, and thankfully it's finally over. We now have to wait to see what comes of the deal, because this was really just that first step. In closing the deal, we now get to see what the future will bring. We get to see what type of exclusives Microsoft is going to be able to obtain from that Activision catalog of software, and now things will get interesting. But we do have to wait a little time to really see the fruits of this labor. We're still basically in the infancy of everything. They still have to go through, you know, a lot of that transitionary period where they're going to evaluate things as we are anticipating Bobby Kotick will likely be removed from his position come the start of 2024. And we'll have to wonder if there's going to be any changes in terms of the environment within Activision Blizzard. But right now we're just in that awkward limbo state. We're waiting for what is going to come of this deal, despite the deal now finally being closed and people can move on to new topics. And I guess the new topics will be a lot of speculating on what is going to come of this deal. Moving forward, are we going to see fruits come forth in 2024? Or is this going to be more of a long-term thing where we really see the benefits of the acquisition maybe in 2025 or 2026? Is it going to benefit Microsoft in the immediate of this generation? Or is this a long-term investment where their next generation platform is really going to shine due to the acquisition of Activision Blizzard in the year of 2023? Well, we figure they're going to leverage Call of Duty I mean, almost immediately since there is a Call of Duty game coming out the next couple of weeks, actually, as we go into November. That really is nothing that Microsoft had any kind of hand in, but after that, it's it's up to them to manage this whole thing. And that, I think, is my biggest takeaway, maybe even concern from this, is can Microsoft run Activision the way Activision has been run this entire way that was all about Call of Duty? Can they, can they still do that? That's kind of the question, because that, to me, feels like a management nightmare to figure mm -hmm. out. I mean, I imagine Activision Blizzard is going to be run very similar to how Bethesda and ZeniMax is run where Microsoft is going to be hands-off. They're going to allow them to operate just as they are currently operating. And that's going to be the way to really streamline that production. You know what you excel at, continue to do it. We're here if you need assistance and help. We will check in on the progress of the software and projects in the pipeline. But ultimately, I think Microsoft is going to take a very hands-off approach with Activision because it somewhat has worked with Bethesda, at least up to Redfall. And then they said, we're going to be a little more involved in the projects coming from Bethesda moving forward. But Bethesda still ultimately just operates just as they were prior to the acquisition. And I think Activision is going to be exactly the same case here. Microsoft isn't going to get too involved. They'll only be involved when necessary. Yeah, I, I feel like that's mostly how they should keep it. It's... I do wonder if Activision is going to change much in the near, like the short term. Maybe in the future, we could see some crossover with their intellectual properties, franchises and, and whatnot. But Call of Duty is uh, their big driving force with revenue. So I, I think that's still full speed ahead, kind of as we've seen it. But they did, I mean, they did mention everything in their press release. They said, we'll create new worlds and stories, bring your favorite games to more places so more players can join in and engage with and delight players in new innovative ways in the places they love to play, including mobile, cloud streaming, and more. So they they seem all in on it, and I when I see Guitar Hero come up time and time again, I, I think there's going to be some interesting curveballs thrown our way 
in the next, I'll say two to three years. They still need to get through this holiday and then mm-hmm. we'll see what I, I'm really curious what their strategy is with uh, game pass. And, and I guess that's our, that's really the, one of the big, cause we have like our main topic, which is Activision Blizzard deal closing, but then it just branches off into so many small topics from there. A lot of potential possibilities, different things. Uh, for example, what are we going to see with game pass considering there won't be any Activision games going in until 2024. This was according to Phil Spencer on the official Xbox podcast. And we've discussed the idea that it's not as simple as clicking a box and just checking it and oh, it's on game pass. There are logistics behind the scenes on the store that have to be done so that the it's flagged correctly in a person's, for example, library, or if they've made the purchase, how will it show up? Those sorts of things. And the fact that they're going to miss this holiday is, is kind of disappointing. And I feel like they are going to be the most disappointed because that seems like a big, I mean, a big driving force for systems. If you start dropping those games Mm -hmm. in and especially subscriptions, but that, that to me is going to be one of the biggest question marks going into next year is game pass cross Activision blizzard. Yeah. I mean, game pass is going to be a huge service going forward with the Activision Blizzard. And as you mentioned, I think them missing this holiday or being able to add some of those Activision games to Game Pass is a huge miss for them. Because even if they were able to come with just a dozen or so titles, it would have been huge to drive some hardware sales and even subscriptions moving into the holiday season. Because let's just say in a hypothetical world, it was November 1st, Microsoft came out and announced Call of Duty 2 all the way up to Black Ops 3 was available on Game Pass. That's a reason that people would go out and subscribe to Game Pass or buy an Xbox because that nostalgia for that range of games is quite strong, especially in our age group. We were in high school, we were in college playing those Call of Duty games. We have fond memories of going online with Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, or Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops, World at War, games that we played hundreds of hours. And we've seen these games top the most played charts on the Xbox in just recent weeks. So if you were able to add something like that to Game Pass before the conclusion of this year, it really would have been a huge moment for Microsoft. But as Phil Spencer said, we're not going to be seeing any such inclusions to Game Pass until 2024. And given the vast catalog that Microsoft has now been able to acquire, you kind of have to wonder how they're going to approach the Game Pass software drop. Are you just going to show up one day, let's say in March, and release three, you know, 300 games all from the Activision catalog? Or are you going to space these out with a, you know, 50 games this month, 50 games next month, and kind of give a nice pacing to how the release schedule will be for these Activision Game Pass drops? Because if you release them all at once, you're kind of overloading the consumer. You're overstimulated with too many options. Now, if you space them out, You allow people to slowly drip through the feed of games, maybe discover some hidden gems or just revisit old classics that they enjoyed a couple of generations ago and then look forward to what could be offered next month. So Microsoft has a lot of options here, but they have to do this very, very well. If they approach it smart, this could be a driving force for them moving into 2024 and give their brand significant momentum. So they really have to approach this in, you know, as smart as they can and ensure that they don't drop the ball by either overstimulating the audience or by under delivering. Do you see the, 
the list of games I have here up here on the screen right now. This was over on Pure Xbox, and they made a, a list of different games that could go to. I think this was for console. Yeah, consoles. So Xbox, as we with the PC Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass can be different depending on rights, licensing, uh, what it was developed for in the past. But I'm looking up and down, and I mean it's just a massive block of Call of Duty on here, which is hilarious because they they fix the servers for a lot of these Call of Duties. And if they just started dropping those into Game Pass, that would they could make an entire section on Game Pass that's just Call of Duty, and that would be incredibly popular with the mainstream to have that as a it, some might view it as a Call of Duty like subscription. How some people will buy a PlayStation or an Xbox, and all they'll do is buy Call of Duty and Madden. I I mean there are, there are older Maddens technically in Game Pass if you have Ultimate with EA Play, but. That that might just be their Game Pass or their their Call of Duty subscription mm -hmm. if they start rolling this stuff in. Yeah, I mean, and that's going to be a real key play for them if they position themselves as the Call of Duty platform, which we would remember the Xbox 360 was the Call of Duty platform at the time Microsoft had the marketing deal with Activision, mm -hmm. and that helped them drive Xbox Live subscriptions. It drove Xbox 360 sales, especially after the release of Call of Duty 4. Modern Warfare changed gaming in a lot of ways back during that generation and it could potentially do it again by microsoft having all of those legacy call of duty games on a single platform it's going to spark interest from you know those who have maybe started to invest in the playstation ecosystem they may now come back to the xbox because that's where call of duty is that's where memories are and that's an easy way for them to be able to play these legacy call of duty titles so microsoft really has to approach this as best they can if they want to bring in maybe that lapsed audience, but also a new audience whose, I'd say gaming tastes are catered to, as you mentioned, Madden, Call of Duty, Fortnite. This is a significant deal and you know, Microsoft, right now you have all the potential in the world. You just have to approach this with utmost care if you want to ensure that this can be, you know, that you can capitalize on what you've been given. Yeah, how do you think we do this? Do we just do like two Call of Duty games a month or something? Or do we just blitz and say, here's eight Call of Duty games and just go all out? It's hard to say because I mean, you could approach it in so many ways where you could just go through them almost in release order of just a couple of months. Or do you want to go further back? You do like Call of Duty 2. Call of Duty Classic. One. We can ignore Call of Duty oh, Classic. Oh man, what? <laughs> it was it was there. It was on the three six. We we looked at it the other day. It's uh, that we did. the other night. It's uh, it's it's actually still up to buy on the Xbox three sixty for however much longer that stores up. But it's not backwards compatible. It's not. They get fire They'd up the backwards compatibility. They, I think, I think they have to revisit as you just said the backwards compatibility team. I, they decided to have that move on. I kind of feel like you do a, a, a skeleton crew of that to remaster or remaster. Uh, I mean, kind of, but set it up for backwards mm -hmm. compatibility. I mean, it's not on here. Activision holds hold, holds publishing rights for mm -hmm. a lot of those older Spider-Man games. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of superhero games that are under the in here. Yep, even Quake mm -hmm. Four, a Ooh. game that's on PC Game Pass, but it's not on console Game Pass because it's not backwards compatible. And now there should be no licensing issues as Microsoft owns id and they own Activision. So that should be an easy thing for them to add to backwards compatibility if they're able to reconvene the backwards compatibility team. 
I see Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 in here. Ultimate Alliance 3 exists on the Switch. I So I feel like Microsoft shouldn't have too many issues getting licensing done for that if it if it already exists for another platform or at least the series does like the first i don't know what all the stuff that goes into that would be but the fact that it is out there and spite yes people are very confused by this it seems uh, sony doesn't actually own spider-man that's all marvel has everything except for the movie stuff so they have the they have the the merchandise uh, the video games like sony actually licensed spider-man from disney in order to make the games so right. Disney mm-hmm. would be the one who would decide this. That's that's why Spider-Man and Venom are in Ultimate Alliance 3 on the Switch because mm-hmm. Disney okayed it and they were good to go. So I, I see Ultimate Alliance 1, 2. We talked about all those Spider-Man games that are still on, uh, well, they're still on their platforms. They came out like Xbox, game, like Xbox, PS2, like a GameCube. That generation had some good ones, especially Spider-Man 2, as most people remember. But even stuff during the 360... Uh, there, there are some games that I would like to play even that I missed out on, and I think that'd be really interesting to see Microsoft show up one day. Oh yeah, here's a bunch of Spider-Man games in Game Pass. Yeah, if they yeah. were able to reconvene that backwards compatibility team and go through the legacy of games that they now have access to and would be able to negotiate some of those licensing agreements, if all of a sudden they just went to, let's say, their June showcase and said, here's half a dozen Spider-Man games, including Shattered Dimension, I think the reception to that would be overly positive and it would excite a lot of people because a lot of these games aren't playable on any other platform. So Microsoft would be able to position themselves in a very strong position of these games are exclusively on our modern platform thanks to backwards compatibility. And as you mentioned, like 360 and PS3 games, right now that's not possible on the PlayStation 5 outside of their digital service and that's only via the cloud. So if Microsoft is able to come in with a digital and a native version of playing some of those 360 games, that is a huge win for them. So again, they have really an unlimited amount of potential here. It's just a question of, can they bring this vision into reality? Well, we also had Phil Spencer talk about reviving older franchises, and he made some comments around the idea of if you re- if you revive an older franchise you have to make sure that the team behind it or the really the, the studio that's going to develop it that they are passionate and interested in doing it and not just let's make them recreate this game or make a sequel a brand new title for example in the franchise just to make money from it just to, to profit from it that is the end goal but you can kind of tell when a game comes out it's it's kind of I guess it's sort of hard to describe the the sense the sense of seeing it, but you can get an idea if the team behind it was really invested, whether it's with the lore mm-hmm. or just passionate about the project. Redfall comes to mind immediately from Microsoft, where you could tell Arcane. Yeah, eh. their their heart wasn't in that game. Where then you could look at Hi-Fi Rush and say, Yeah, oh yeah, wow, there was a lot of passion. There was a lot of love put into that project. So those are kind of nice two contrasting stories there within the same calendar year, just mm-hmm. months apart from now, you know, Microsoft's own studios. Yeah. So I, that's that I think as a really good point, we've discussed rare multiple times. People want a Banjo-Kazooie from them, but it's not the same rare that we grew up with that made Banjo-Kazooie. 
and it does appear that they are getting a kick out of working on Sea of Thieves. It's I feel like it's hard for a lot of older people to kind of grasp that concept. But mm -hmm. the good thing is now, I feel like Microsoft has a studio that technically could make a Banjo-Kazooie game if they wanted to with Toys for Bob. And I'm I'm curious if that just kind of gets floated out. Hey, hey, good good to have you guys on board. Have you heard of Banjo-Kazooie? What, what do you think of this? I don't know. I'm curious if that ever gets floated to them. It's like, it's out there. Rare said that they wouldn't mind if somebody wanted to work on it as long as they kind of lined up with the idea that they're really interested in it. Yeah, I kind of took this statement from Phil to be a, if Toys for Bob or any studio that is now under our umbrella comes to us and say, hey, we know we've been working on Call of Duty maps or we've been assisting on World of Warcraft, but something the team is really passionate about is a Banjo-Kazooie game or let's say StarCraft Ghost or a new IP. Mm, Here's Ghost. an internal right. demo that we've been doing. What, what do you think about this? And Phil can look at it and Matt Booty and whomever, they can look at it and say, you know what, we like what you're doing here. Once your obligations are complete, on that Call of Duty game or the World of Warcraft, we can afford you to go off and try this new project. If it's Banjo-Kazooie, back up the truck. All right, let's get it done. <laughs> I, you know what's interesting, though? I've been on a number of like different Xbox podcasts or talked with uh, different Xbox personalities, and and it just, to me, it's, it's whenever Banjo-Kazooie comes up, none of them really seem interested in it. And I, I have wondered if... The audience that's there now, I feel like there are people who would probably like Banjo-Kazooie. It'd be like, okay, this is great. I understand that Banjo-Kazooie would obviously do better if they put it on something like a Nintendo platform. I feel like most people are going to agree on that. But mm -hmm. the people who are there now on Xbox and are saying, eh, this might not be something I'm that interested in. Uh, Microsoft already has them. They need to start thinking with Game Pass a bit outside the box of, what can we make to just bring more people on board, kind of diversify our lineup a bit that maybe has someone who's outside of Xbox become mm -hmm. interested in Game Pass and our ecosystem? And maybe a Banjo-Kazooie is a game that, that could do that. I think that or even a Guitar Hero. I think you could revive Guitar Hero and get some similar shot at the mainstream from it. Well, that's the thing. Right now, Microsoft has a lot of mascot characters under their internal umbrella. Mm -hmm. You have Crash Bandicoot. You have Spyro, you have Banjo, and they should begin to branch out and try to make their brand appeal to not just that 18 to 35 year old male demographic, get into that full family demographic, invest in games similar to what Nintendo targets. And Microsoft isn't foreign to this idea. If you look through their history and their legacy of hardware and how they approached software, they're willing to invest to expand their reach. They're doing it right now by investing heavily in Japan, where we've seen them make big Game Pass deals with companies like Sega, Atlas, Square Enix, Capcom. They're trying to get that market interested in their brand. And when you look back to the 360, they were making exclusive deals with Mistwalker, where they wanted to have Japanese RPGs on their platform, and they wanted to position them as one of their key pivotal pillars to that generation. So this isn't really a new idea for them, but they haven't done it well when it comes to that family-friendly mascot. They tried with Sneakers. They tried with Blinks the Cat. Neither had any real power. No one was really that appealing. 
now you have iconic characters that have already formulated their own foundation and base. Utilize them by doing new entries. And if you keep them exclusive, that does help. But you can also branch those out to, you know, PlayStation or Nintendo if you see fit to do so. But they, again, they have so much potential now. They can do anything with a number of franchises. It just comes down to a matter of, do you have a team to bring these projects into reality? It's amazing that back in the day, the PS2, Xbox, GameCube generation, everyone could make a 3D platformer. It, it, they were just there, they were everywhere. They were coming out. I felt like every week a new one was coming out. Now it's just everyone's confused on how to make one. I don't know if it's just because the mm -hmm. expectations have gone up to a level where you can't get there with a $70 game or even a $60 game for most of them. It just, it, it feels like kind of an, an art form we lost a bit and a lot of it went mm -hmm. to first person shooters or kind of the third person action narrative driven experience. You know what? Sometimes a 3D platformer that's well done, it's just fun and worth the money because of it. That's the thing, like Sony has invested a little bit still in that genre with Little Big Planet. And it's primarily just that segment of the market that Nintendo really prioritizes. Microsoft tried in the previous generations and they just don't have those internal studios or they didn't have those internal studios to take helm of such projects. You're not going to give a 3D platformer to a team like the Coalition. Not that they couldn't do it, but Microsoft's I want to see it. Yeah, you could I have Marcus Phoenix jumping around, <laughs> <Hey>. fighting, fighting <laughs> locusts. But like Microsoft came in as that edgy, tough adult system. And that's really what they platformed themselves on. We're the grown-up system. Nintendo is more kiddie. Sony did position themselves as kind of that late teen type console. Now they've made that full transition into being more of the adult platform. And Microsoft is competing with them there. But Microsoft has dabbled into that family-friendly market. Connect was a huge success for them to, mm -hmm. you know, to the chagrin of a lot of individuals, especially because they had Rare making some of those Connect games and people thought that was really underutilizing what Rare could do. But Microsoft has always dabbled in family-friendly. And now I think they have enough franchises and iconic characters under their control that they can really invest in it and maybe position themselves as not a full-on counterpart to Nintendo, but be able to compete with Nintendo in that genre and demographic when it comes to game delivery and offerings. Is You think there's still a place in the world for Guitar Hero? Uh, it depends on how they bring it to market. Okay, all right. I mean, I assume you're still gonna need a plastic guitar or peripheral of some kind. I, yeah. I don't know if they revive it as let's start with the guitar and see what happens. And then they, if it does well, they go to the drums, the microphone, kind of like actually what happened back then they started with guitar and it blew up from their rock band and, and the guitar hero followed suit. I, I, I feel like there's, I think there would be interest again if they did it, but you're right. They would have to, they would have to think really hard about making it work. Cause that genre crashed and burned badly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't, I, I'd be more concerned that they would show up and try to make it be like a traditional setup where you're learning. I don't, I, I don't feel like most people who play Guitar Hero want to learn how to play guitar. They just want to have fun with Guitar Hero. So 
I feel like you keep that a very arcadey experience, and it felt like they were getting closer and closer to trying to get you to pick up a guitar, like just an actual guitar, and plug it in. Like, um, mm-hmm. what was the oh, like rock Rocksmith? Band. Rocksmith. Yeah, that Rocksmith. Was the one. Yeah. yeah, like that. It was so close. It was getting very close to that, and I. It was just fun to have some people over. get some drinks and flip the guitar sideways and get star power and rack up points that people try to blast with it there. I don't think you have to overthink guitar hero is what I'm saying. I think it would really come down to how they position the game. Are you going to do it as a live service game, which they had tried with guitar hero live Mm -hmm. because then, you know, you're going to go out of your way. You're going to get the license. I would just call it guitar. I would just call it guitar hero. It would be a game pass thing. It's in there Mm -hmm. and we'll add different songs as we go. Some will just be dropped in. Others will be paid for. You can buy them for a dollar or something and build your own library that way. So you'd make it kind of as a free to play game initially with Mm -hmm. let's say 12 starter songs. You just have to buy the guitar, get the guitar. Yep. And maybe when you buy the guitar, you get game pass with it or you get, a pack of songs like it's just a code so if you buy guitar at any given point it comes with a code or you can just buy the song separately as you want rather Mm -hmm. than i gotta buy this new release coming up like guitar hero metallica would come out and it had like 50 some odd songs but maybe you only want to play three of them there you go you just buy them piecemeal and you build your own little collection and you skip the guitar if you don't want it you know like the theme guitar or something yeah, I think that type of approach, that's very similar to what Beat Saber does, is you buy the mm-hmm. base game and then you can buy a bunch of yeah. the add-on packs either in piecemeal or as a complete package. I think if they went that type of route, it could do well for them. I think you would have a very vocal audience who would be complaining about, oh, why did you only have these available songs? Why aren't you getting these songs? And you're just going to have a very large audience who's going to be upset that you didn't have 500 games available in the first six months. The songs, yeah. I, I mean, I would have it so that there's a spot where you can also suggest tracks that you want, and then it can kind of be tallied. Kind of like how Nintendo did that with Smash Brothers back in the day, where mm-hmm. they would have people vote on which characters they wanted. And it actually led to some of the characters getting in because it was market research. But in that case, it would probably be a lot faster than designing a character that has to interact with like 60 some odd other character. It's a song so they can go out and prioritize and figure it out from there. But I would expect consistent updates and that would probably hold people's game pass subscription because their transactions their microtransactions or songs are tied to it. Then you stay mm-hmm. subscribed. You're part of game or game pass to get guitar hero. Uh, it's just, you know, their strategy to make it work. But I, I think that'd be a fun twist to just bring to, Game Pass. I just see Game Pass as the ultimate variety setup. Like you got to keep throwing weird stuff in there just to try to attract more and more people. Yeah, and I would say that's kind of an area that Microsoft has not done exceptionally well because Game Pass is the perfect setup for, as you were mentioning, and I'm surprised they haven't brought one versus 100 to Game Pass. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. Or even like a fusion frenzy, some sort of party game from an internal Microsoft studio. So even if it was something along the lines of party animals, what Microsoft had made and brought to the market, make it free to play. And you offer, you know, just little incentives in the game to get you to purchase and stay in that ecosystem. I'm surprised Microsoft has not done that because as you mentioned, this is a service that would utilize those type of quirky ideas exceptionally well. And maybe Guitar Hero would be their first attempt into doing so. But, you know, yeah, Qatar here really have to approach it carefully and how you announce it and deliver it will make or break it basically on day one. Do you think you think Microsoft controls enough intellectual property to do their own Smash Brothers now? 
yes like, and characters, no. mascots, stages, music. You think we could do it? I don't know if they necessarily have recognizable enough characters mm. to warrant such a product. Because on the front, who'd you who'd you even put on the front? I guess it'd be Master Chief. Master Chief with who? Crash? Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> So you're gonna have Master Chief, Crash Bandicoot, no, Spyro Tony the Hawk. Dragon, Tony, Tony Hawk. Hawk, the Forza <laughs> hey, Car. <laughs> I'm buying that game immediately. <laughs> well, I, yo, come on, Master Tony Chief, Hawk just hit Forza Master Chief car? in the head with a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, hold on, Tony Hawk against Master Tab. Okay, that'd be crazy. I would, I would buy that absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they do have a lot of characters now, but I just don't think they have that goofy appeal to do it. No, <laughs> Captain Price versus Marcus Phoenix. Hey, that see, like, oh, he, he just curb stomped them. Like, oh my god! <laughs> hey, that would be fun. I I would I would try that game out. We're getting PlayStation All Stars flashbacks here. Uh, well, that that would be the market research of what not to do. <laughs> they would yeah, just put that up in the boardroom and be like, not this. <laughs> yeah, do the opposite of this. We don't need a quagmire. Hey, Sakurai's or... a, a free agent, right? Technically, yes. Back up the truck. <laughs> like, yo, Sakurai, you want to make a Smash Brothers for us with these characters? And you look hey. at it and say, you want me to do what with these? Exactly. Like, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with some of these characters. Like, who else do you have? Well, we have Sneakers of the Mouse and Blinks the Cat. And he'd say, that's it. I'm out of here. Banjo could be in there. He already used Banjo, so. It's, yeah, I mean, it, I mean we, we, we have a lot <laughs> to still look forward to in 2024, but it does seem like for now... The discussion of games going in is on pause until 2024. So we have a solid two to three months before we can expect anything to show up. And he reiterated there's no surprise drop happening. He's not trying to play it off or something. At least that's what he's saying. So Come on, drop a Call of Duty next month. Which one do you drop them? If you could drop one right now, like, okay, they come to him. He's like, all right, we can do one, Phil. Right now? Pick one, and that's what we can have for the holiday, and we'll push it and, and put it at the top of the list and, you know, Game Pass marketing and all of this. Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare. Really? Okay. That changed the game. That changed Call of Duty forever. That was right. the game that got people to buy a 360 or a PS3. See, I feel like I would have. I would go with like Black Ops or Black Ops 2. I think I would go with one of those. Maybe Black, Black Ops 2 might be the move. That one's very popular. Hmm. I don't know. Someone, let us know in the comments if you could pick one Call of Duty right now to push Game Pass with as like a... An extra bit of marketing for the holiday which one would it be one of the old ones not the new one it can't be the new one it's gotta be one of the older ones who's gonna say call of duty infinite in the comments <laughs> oh buddy <laughs> well now someone will but let's talk let's talk starfield actually for a minute here nate because something something a bit surprising happened for people this was this was not necessarily expected based on what the internet's been saying for the past month Starfield topped the NPD, now known as Circana, I believe, for the data that they're gathering, that company. Starfield topped the sales charts in the U.S. This covers physical and full game digital. And it does include that early access period where they were selling the game for what was like 100 bucks or something. And it got you in mm -hmm. five days early. It included that, which at retail was a box with a code in it. So it was on store shelves. It beat out Mortal Kombat 1, EA Sports FC 24, Payday 3, NBA 2K24, and the Crew Motor Fest. Those are the other new entries that month. And 
after these results went up, Starfield immediately became the number seven best-selling game of the entire year just in its first month, putting it just behind Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 from 2022. <laughs> so this is interesting because it definitely... I mean, it definitely knocks down the narrative of Game Pass completely destroys game sales if this is topping the sales charts over games that are big-time releases. I had Mortal Kombat 1, EA Sports FC 24. I assume people are going to ex- look at those as AAA releases. But Starfield sold more despite being on the subscription service like Game Pass Day 1. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Nate? Was that is this surprising to you? No, because I think the narrative that Game Pass you know, kind of cannibalizes sales is just an overstated theory at this point. We've seen time and time again that Game Pass is very complimentary where people will play the game for a few days, say, okay, I really like it. And they go out and buy a full version of the game because now they want to own that game, even if their Game Pass subscription expires. And we've seen it just time and time again. And this does include, I believe, digital Steam sales where again like that's on pc where people do have the option of doing game pass on pc and people felt as though they'd rather invest the 70 or 100 dollars price point into buying starfield complete so game pass is doing what its job was due if you feel as though you want to invest 150 180 dollars a year into game pass and rent your games in the long term via the service you have that option you can play the game for a few hours and say, okay, I'm going to buy the game at a discount because Game Pass does give you a discount if you decide to buy the full game as a kind of an incentive. And people are doing that. So this really isn't that surprising. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar repeat in the next MPD chart when we see Forza Motorsport. I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the top five of sales for the month as well. I could see top five. I, top five wouldn't surprise me, uh, but... You know what's interesting is I think this is I think this is a big result from that strategy that we've discussed in the past, Nate, that Microsoft has been doing more and more. Now, this has been going on for a long time. Like Forza Horizon 3 did this, which was that early access period where you can pay extra money and get in five days early. And they kind of play off the idea of get it now or you got to wait a week. And then, you know, some of your friends may have already bought it and they've been playing it. And it kind of has that peer pressure vibe to it a bit. Some of that FOMO. I, I've i seen people online who are, are not excited about this idea becoming a regular thing. And I'll admit it is kind of annoying because we all know that's the actual release date. Mm-hmm. The game works. They can have the transaction take place digitally. You can be playing it. It's just they're doing the thing where they're holding it back for almost a week just to get more money out of you. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it and say, okay, is this a scummy business practice? But at the end of the day, when you are giving the game on Game Pass and you say you spend $30 and get it a week early, people are going to have that mentality of, wow, it's only costing me $30. I'm going to get the expansion pack, I'm going to get some bonuses and I get to play early for only 30 bucks. This is a That's fantastic for deal if for of, If you're in Game right. Pass. Yeah. Otherwise it's like, I think on Steam it was a hundred bucks, but yeah, yeah you're mm-hmm. right though for Game Pass. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, Steam individuals who are paying that premium to get it early, that's just a very committed, hardcore mm-hmm. fan base. Yep. But if you're on that Game Pass subscription model, 
viewing the game saying, oh, it's going to cost me 30 bucks to get Starfield. That's a tough mentality to really combat because it sounds as though you're only paying half the price to get the game and you're getting all these extra perks. It's it's a brilliant business model if you are the company. Now, this... if you're the consumer, you could look at it and say, is this, <laughs> is this a little you know scummy? That's for you to determine. Well, this is... This is one of the reasons why I, I just don't think the Netflix comparison works well for this. Mostly because on Netflix, you don't buy anything on there. You just subscribe and you have access to all the, these different movies and shows just streaming. On Xbox with Game Pass, there's a ton of stuff to still buy. And from what we're seeing, the early access period going alongside of the, the Game Pass subscription is actually enticing you to give them more money on top of your subscription service. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't think, especially now from what we're seeing with something like Starfield, I feel like the Netflix comparison is just out the window now. Like Netflix has a problem because they can't figure out ways to extract more money than the subscription service. And that's why it keeps going up. And I think it just rate, I think they just raised it again, like two days ago or something like very recently. And people are realizing how expensive it's getting, but because there is that with Xbox, even though they're developing games that are probably going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars, mm -hmm. they're also making quite a bit of money from what we can see here off of some of these games, if it has that kind of a pull. Starfield is a new intellectual property, so it's not something that they relied on a sequel or, or something there. So this is... Right. Very interesting in terms of its results. And I think they're going to continue this early access thing. And I think it's going to annoy a lot of people. But the market is, is kind of speaking to Microsoft right now. Yeah, it works because it does feel as though this is a bargain. It's not as though you just get a few days early access. You're Maybe getting the deluxe or the premium edition, which includes expansion content or, you know, extra outfits or, you know, some bonus material. So they are giving you incentives to do it beyond just give us 30 bucks and you can play it three days early. It's no, you're going to get a lot of extra content as well. And this is available to anybody. And the business model is working. It's working remarkably well for them. And they're going to continue to utilize it until it no longer functions for them, which I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. And I think the Netflix model had only come up in so many discussions in the past because people for some reason, forget you can buy the games on Game Pass. It's not as though we have a Game Pass only release. You can always buy these games. It's not locked to the service. Something like Nintendo Switch Online. If you want to play Mario 64, you have to play it on Nintendo Switch Online. You cannot buy the game standalone. Game Pass is not set up like that. Game Pass is just a means of distributing games via a subscription service. If right. you don't want to subscribe, that's fine. Buy the game any means you deem necessary. But the Netflix comparison never made sense. It felt as though it was just a way for people to trivialize what the service actually was and try to demean what it was offering the consumer base. I think we needed to see something. I, well, I think the internet mostly needed to see a result like this, and they have now. And I, I kind of noticed some people online kind of going, oh, wait maybe it wasn't as straightforward as we thought originally. And I'd agree. I, I think there's a bit more here than people were expecting. And now with Activision Blizzard, I feel like Microsoft's going to pull off 
something even larger than this. Not this year because Call of Duty is not in Game Pass, but potentially next year when they try to do something like this again, I feel like Call of Duty is not really going to skip a beat despite it going into Game Pass day one. And mm-hmm. even if people have a there's there's a huge surge in signups for Game Pass, I still think the revenue is going to be pretty high because the NPD or Circana they track by revenue, not necessarily by units sold. And an interesting stat that was thrown out by Matt Piscatella after somebody brought it up, this is the second time that Bethesda has ever topped the sales charts for a big release. And they went back and looked at things like 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 uh, some of the older Skyrims. And, and it appeared that the one that did, based on revenue, was Oblivion. Really? It's kind of surprising Skyrim was not it. Let me let me bring up the exact message that he put out just to make sure I had this correct. But I was very surprised when I read that because I thought it was like a lock every time they released a game that it was going to be in the at the top of the sales charts. Yeah, because when Skyrim came out, it was one of the biggest releases of its time, but it did release closer to the holiday season, so it could have had more competition back then. But that is surprising. Yeah, I just wanted to get the message from him, but I'll I'll look into that a bit more. I just remember seeing that he just he just posted about it the other day in a reply to someone about it, and he actually ranked the old ones too, which was pretty cool. So any of the like the fallouts and stuff, he he ranked all of them. And uh, when it came to revenue, I believe it was it was one of the top, Starfield is like one of the first ones. Hmm. So yeah, I'll see if I can find that post as we're going along here. I did want to bring up the, this though, Nate. While we were just talking about the early access period, it it definitely pushes people more into the idea of the digital purchases. And mm-hmm. now there are some discussions after that whole Best Buy scare that happened, where it sounded like they may look into physical media on the game side to kind of phase that out next year seems just be movies right now we'll see with games but it was brought up by the limited run ceo that they were hearing rumblings that walmart could stop carrying xbox games Uh, they, they said i've heard rumblings that walmart is dropping physical xbox games soon and i have to imagine further cuts to physical game sec gaming sections will be made as we get deeper into next year Retail is getting interesting with games now, Nate. And I think so Microsoft is one of the le- like the driving factors around all of it. <laughs> they are mm-hmm. heavily pushing digital and I I really wonder what their physical digital split is right now because I would not be shocked if they've touched 90% digital at this point. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's well north of 70% because when you think of Microsoft's own retail output, it's very minimal they have been very hesitant to bring any of their non-AAA games to the retail market. And third-party games, we've seen the splits for a lot of these companies like Capcom. I believe Capcom's last report was somewhere, what, 80% of all their sales were digital, if not higher. Yep. So if you've kind of invested in that Xbox ecosystem, and I don't want to say Game Pass has transitioned you into a full digital gamer, but... I think a lot of people on the Xbox at this point have gone that PC gaming route in the sense of they are just buying digital games or they're strictly playing 
those offerings from Game Pass, that they're not going to Walmart anymore to buy those physical copies. So I'd like to see what the software split is for Microsoft. If it is in the area of, let's say, 85 to 90%, then Walmart dropping it would make a lot of sense because we know a lot of third parties, their digital to retail split is significantly in favor of digital at this point. Most of them at least 60 to 70%. So Walmart making the decision makes a lot of sense. I would imagine the only reason that Nintendo and Sony aren't included in that comment is because Nintendo games still largely sell at retail. And I think Sony, maybe for some of their first party stuff, is I think they're still closer to around a 60% split. So there's still value in stocking those type of games. But Microsoft is definitely pivoting to digital hard and their consumer base has no problem investing digitally. Okay, so I got the the tweet from Matt Piscatella about Starfield's placement number one and when the last time was Bethesda had done that. This is based on revenue because if you just go by units, they've never actually hit number one on the sales charts in the U.S. on its on the wow. month that the game released. So if we go just we'll go to revenue then because there is a number one if we go that route. So Fallout seventy six was number two in November 2018. Fallout 4 was number two, November 2015. Skyrim was number two, November 2011. Fallout 3 was number four, October 2008. And then Oblivion was number one, March 2006. If you go by units though, Oblivion was number three. And I think that's because that's when we had the the jump in game prices, if you remember. So Oblivion technically mm-hmm. would have been dealing with a bunch of fifty dollar games from something like the PS2 or the GameCube. But with Oblivion yeah. would have been sixty dollars. Yeah, so if you go by revenue, it's ten dollars more per unit. Yeah. So this is yeah. actually the first time with Starfield, despite going into Game Pass day one, that it's touched uh, the number one spot in the US sales charts. So interesting bit of history there. Hey, game Pass, the best deal in gaming apparently (laughs) so but with with limited run mentioning the ceo i do wonder what the cascading effect is then if they stop with xbox games in store i'll admit when i go to walmart i look in the video game section not a lot of care put into it anymore stuff just kind of thrown on the shelves there's no organization half the time i'll go in there the video game section behind the glass isn't even stocked with anything it's just empty so that anecdotal because it's my Walmart it, maybe it's better other place and I just have a Walmart that doesn't care about their video game <laughs> section but I will admit the Xbox section is a somewhat large part of it if that leaves I wonder if Walmart starts looking at their video game section a little differently and they're like how how much space do we really need for that is it necessary to stock these PlayStation games because they don't even carry the systems anymore like I, I've I don't see a system in there much at all other than the switch there's no real hmm. Xbox or PlayStation 5s in there when I go. Interesting. Like, I haven't been to a Walmart in quite some time, so I'm not even familiar with what my local Walmart's go, game go section Walmart, would Nate. look like. Go to a Walmart. See what you think around you. Because I, when I saw this comment, I thought I was like, you know, that wouldn't surprise me based on what I'm seeing at my local Walmart. And anyone in the comments can let us know if your local Walmart is uh, similar to what I'm describing. But it, it wouldn't shock me if one day I go and there's no Xbox games there. I'd be like, well... That got us all coming with how they treat this section. So, yeah, I I think the writing's on the wall for physical games, and I think we're probably five years out from the next system's launching, and they're just not being a disc drive on it. 
I mean, that's definitely a potential. And I'm kind of curious as to how this would play out for Microsoft if Walmart does indeed stop stocking retail Xbox games, because that's kind of, it, it's exposure. It's public exposure where a person mm -hmm. is in that section, they see your brand. And even if they're not necessarily buying the game there, they're buying the Xbox and going home and downloading things, it's still in front of their face. Right. It still is that exposure. So if you're no longer stocking games, will Walmart continue to stock the hardware? Because they don't make much money on hardware either. The markup is very minimal. So are they still going to have Xbox systems in store? Or are they? how are they going to approach this? And if I'm Microsoft, am I kind of concerned about a massive retailer not stocking retail versions of my release mm, i can't i mean i feel like i mean i would be but maybe mm. microsoft's been thinking about this a bit and once they see walmart start to back away from it completely i i wonder if that's a signal to them to start taking matters in their own hands and shifting focus away from retail completely right and that's the interesting thing here so if it does play out I don't want to see how Microsoft would approach their in-store merchandising, be it, you know, a Target, GameStop, Best Buy, if they do it a little more aggressive or if it's still very relaxed because they're fine with their, you know, digital adoption model. So, but just from that exposure standpoint, it really brings up a lot of logistics and optics questions of would this really be in favor of Microsoft in any way? Or is this something they have to get ahead of and say, what do we need to do to ensure you continue to stock some of our physical games even if sales are you know let's say minimal at walmart can you incentivize them in some way to stock even if it's just triple a microsoft games and third-party releases even if it's just to a minimal degree because you do want that shelf space because when it comes time for the holidays and parents grandparents or whomever are shopping you want to be able to catch their eye and say oh i'm gonna buy this xbox and pick up that game the holiday's important it's big it's big, mm -hmm. just having so. that presence, yeah. Especially because you also still want to sell accessories and systems, and mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into that. And it would be very odd to just see some of this stuff disappear off retail shelves. Yeah, Although just... <laughs> I guess everyone orders off Amazon nowadays, anyway. So what do I know? That's I mean that's true. I guess you know brick and mortar has been slowly declining, but it feels as though there's a big question mark around all this and the impacts it could have on the brand if they do decide no longer to stock retail xbox games i need to i need to see another midnight release sometime soon i think spider-man 2 is doing one maybe mario brothers wonder was too i, I think need to go mario out to, is i need to go out and do one of these midnight releases in the next like year <laughs> just to see where we are because those used to be such big events oh yeah and i almost wonder if they have completely shrunk since the last time i went i i guess a system would be the next one so maybe if nintendo mm -hmm. system comes out next year and I go and pick it up at midnight, maybe that would be the next time I go. But I, I kind of want to go for a game, like a piece of software, right? The, the physical disc to see how many people are going out even for that. Because you have to go out for a system, but you don't have to go out for a game anymore. It's just, you can load it up. It'll be ready at 12.01. You'll be sitting <laughs> on your couch playing. So, I mean, that was the thing that really changed the entire midnight launch system is that when you would pick up a game like Call of Duty or Halo 3 had a huge midnight launch. Oh, Halo 3 was crazy. But then as soon as we got into the digital distribution era, people sat there and said, oh, I can preload a game or I'm going to download the game at midnight. 
the game is going to be done by 12.15 and I'm going to be online playing against other people versus going to the store, getting your copy at 12.05, getting to your car, driving home, getting yep. home at 12.30, quarter to one and saying, well, I'm glad I got the game. I have to go to bed because I have school or I have work in the morning. So all I did was save myself some time from coming home from work and hitting up the store. You were able to play a game exactly at 12.01. What day did Halo launch in the Halo 2? Uh, like what day of the week? Because it was November 9th, 2004. Because I remember we went, we got this game, and we played it all night. I didn't, we didn't go to sleep at all. <laughs> it was a Tuesday. Why was yeah. I awake all night on a Tuesday? That's when yeah, I was in high games school. Used to come out. Games I was in high school. On a Why was I awake all night? I'm trying to figure this out. You wanted to play Halo too, apparently. No, I I get that, but I would have been like a junior <laughs> in high school. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and you wouldn't have been on Thanksgiving break yet. No, why was I? Why were we awake? I specifically remember us going and getting it, coming back because I remember one of the big things about this is that we've been playing Halo One constantly since it came out. Basically, this is a big deal, and I remember when we first got Halo Two, we had two TVs set up and we did co-op. Each one did co-op on other TV, and me and uh, my friend Tim, we were playing, and the first thing we did was look down and realize we had legs, and it was amazing. Like you could see your legs in the game. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> why why were we awake all night on it? Did we have to go to school? I, I don't. I don't remember. You, I'd imagine you would have. Did you skip school? I don't. I feel like we didn't. I I, I don't know. That seems weird. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't. I that is. I'm blanking on that. I might have to ask call up the old friend and ask him about that. Because now I'm like. Like how did curious how we pulled that off? Yeah, how did we go to a midnight launch on a Tuesday and go to school Wednesday morning? I don't know. No, it came out on November 9th, right? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It came out on November 9th, technically, which means we would have been there the night of November eighth, right? Mm-hmm. Was November 9th an election day for anything? Like would they have used the schools for elections? Uh, I'm not yeah, really it's... into the politics stuff, so it might have been. I have to remember because that schools might have been closed that Tuesday. <laughs> like, I think this, I feel like the stars aligned for us with Halo Two that day, because I was too young to care about any of that. Although I'm still kind of I'm still too old to care about any of that. It seems, but like I'm, I feel like it was something like that. Maybe you had like a professional day. I'm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was that. I don't know. But for some reason, we didn't go to school that day. Maybe we skipped that. I'm just telling on myself from like almost 20 years ago, uh -oh. 19 years ago. Anyway, I'll get to the bottom of it. Don't worry, people. I'll figure it out. Maybe some historian can let me know down in the comments what I was doing 19 years ago. I know I have school. <laughs> maybe it was a professional day in Maryland. I don't know. I have some rapid fire topics here, Nate, as we finish up. Did you try like a Dragonetian? I did. I played about the first half an hour. It's on Game Pass right now. For anyone who forgot or has been curious about Game Pass, it's there. You can download it and play it. I played it some on the PlayStation 5 when it came out. It sounds like I played a good bit more than Nate, who played half an hour and didn't really do a lot. What happened? I, they just, I, I they asked in, you to find a school and you were out. I was invested in other games at the time it is i will return to it I, okay it's just a lot to play right now 
There really is. There is. There is. So we will we'll put a we'll put a pin in it. We'll come back to Nate's thoughts on like a dragon Ishin in like three years when he gets a chance to play it. Mm-hmm. All right. What about Cocoon? See, I put this in as an under the radar game of the year contender. That's right. No mm-hmm. one, not enough people are, I don't say no one, not enough people are talking about this game. <laughs> and I've actually been playing this through Game Pass on the ROG Ally. Runs beautifully, by the way. If you have a ROG Ally, download Cocoon through Game Pass. Works great on there. You'll get consistently above 60 frames. So you'll 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 uh, actually get the screen to stretch its legs a bit as it can support 100 some odd frames per second. But this game is awesome and it's so subtle about how it does everything it is a Mm -hmm. very good puzzle game see this is one of the games that forced me to put down like a dragon is i picked up cocoon want to check it out huge fan of inside and limbo Mm -hmm. and as soon as i played it just immediately hooked there's no dialogue there is no prompt on the screen to tell you what to do you're just placed and go figure out the environmental puzzles and progress. And that is such a great minimalistic game design that it's done so well that you just instinctively know what you have to do. Yeah, it's it's really weird about that, right? There's one button, by the way, that's all. You just use one button, you move your character around, it's isometric, top down. And you're right, they have a lot of stuff that's very subtle in the environment to kind of push you in the right direction and you feel really smart when you go through this game it's pretty mm-hmm. funny the way it the way it's set up to where you feel like you genuinely ac- accomplish stuff because there are a lot of times in games where they'll present puzzles and i, ugh, I just i don't feel like doing this why why are you doing this what we were just playing we were just doing some crazy first person shooter action adventure game and now we got to stop and fit shapes into slots or something weird right or push boulders around so it lines up just right <laughs> this whole game is all about that but it's done in a way where it, it doesn't feel like it's what's the right word to say it. It's it's over encumbered by any of this, like these mechanics. Yeah, it feels very free and easy with a lot of it. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel the need to explore because they have some hidden stuff in the game that you find if you do puzzles just right. And the, the idea of taking these orbs and each orb is its own world and the transition going into it is really cool. But then you could take another orb with you. So it's a world inside of a world. And it is, it's, it's pretty cool. It has like that mind bending aspect to it. Yeah. All the puzzles really just feel organic where you just understand like, okay, this is what it wants me to do. Oh, I have to put this orb down, walk through this obstacle, activate this, leave the world come back in with an orb to open up this gate so I can get the other orb to place here that will keep the gate open while I grab the second orb. And maybe at the time of playing, you'll sit to say, okay, how am I supposed to approach this? But then as you're playing, it just comes naturally to you of, okay, I see what the game is trying to do. It's, I see what it wants me to do. And that's just brilliant game design. And I don't think it is an under the radar game of the year contender. I think it is a game of the year contender. Okay. Okay. This will be in the conversation. This will get nominated. I see this as at least in the indie game conversation. I I think it'd be really interesting if it found its way into the overall game of the year, despite how crowded it is right now. But it, I mean, if you look at even the reviews for it, it's up there. It's I think the lowest review mm-hmm. it has like across the Metacritic stuff is like an 89. And the, there's another one, I think, I guess maybe Xbox, something that's in the 90s. So this is a game that is being reviewed well. 
and it's just it's so different than every other game we've talked about this year that it it, it mm-hmm. feels like it could be there just for what it represents which is just a very well done game in terms of puzzles mechanics design it, it's really really cool yeah it's available on all platforms mm-hmm. if you have game yeah. pass it's available on game pass on pc and console there's really no excuse not to try this game out because it's brilliant. If you're a fan of Limbo or Inside, this is the exact style of game you will love. And it's it's a short, it doesn't it overstay its, it's not welcome. Super long. Yeah. It does what it sets out to do in the amount of time it will take you to complete. And it's just a brilliant master crafted experience i think i've just about done the game nate uh from the last Uh time we talked about it and it says i'm like four hours and 45 minutes in (laughs) so i think this is a five to six hour game and it goes like i know people say well four four or five hours isn't that long but it goes by quick yes it doesn't it's not like a situation where you're doing a puzzle it's like right i've been doing this for 30 minutes it's 30 minutes went by fast and you have accomplished something in that time Yep, and the puzzles aren't like they're not even they don't feel like they're sectioned off necessarily. It all just runs together. It's mm-hmm. very interesting the way it's set up, but I, I I like it quite a bit, and I do recommend if you have Game Pass, I you should just download. It's not even a big file for people who are like I don't have a lot of space on my drive. Or it no, it's like a couple gigs. Yeah, it's 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 easy to download in terms of the time it would take, and you immediately start playing. It's it's quick, so I would. Give it a shot. Spend 30 minutes on it if you're just curious and see what you think. Because I have a feeling it's going to hook a lot of people and mm-hmm. they will become believers of Cocoon in it being yeah, the game I mean, of the year conversation. It will. The music is nice and subtle. It complements what's happening on the screen. There's no load times, really, after the initial load. Mm-hmm. The visuals are pleasing enough. They're not overly, you know, it's not super detailed. It does what it sets out to do with its unique art style. And... Yeah, we'll be talking about this game again come December when Game of the Year comes around. Yep, I think I think I will be. I think I'm going to have it up there on my list. Definitely in my definitely in my top 10 games of the year. It's just going to be can it squeak into that top 6 where it's going to be incredibly strong. So, we will see. And I do I did want to bring this up Nate because Halo Infinite off to a rocky start seems to be making a comeback right now and I have been noticing this people talking about it more and more. I've seen the concurrent player count tick up a bit, and the other day it was sitting at like 18,000 people playing just on Steam, and we know on Xbox there are obviously more people there, potentially the same amount or maybe more. Uh, This is interesting because they have been making some changes. They just did Season 6, got introduced, and I check in time to time. Like every week or so, I'll log in, see what's going on, and I've noticed them put more and more content in as they've gone along, updates here and there, and... It's uh, it's interesting to watch this, I mean, almost revival of, of Halo Infinite right now. I mean, I, for one, am shocked that a game that is being treated as a game as a service, a live service game, has continually got new content and updates to refine and improve itself. I am stunned that a game of that caliber has just continued to get better. I did not expect a game as a service to improve. And yes, this is dripping with sarcasm. As we said way back in 2021 when the game launched, what we're getting today is going to be radically different than what the game's going to be in two, three, or four years. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing 343 continue to evolve and build out the game just as you would expect them to do. 
and people were so quick to write off this game even a year ago. You just have to be patient and let them work and deliver the vision that they had for the game. And they are doing that. Could it have come sooner? Yes, the critiques at the time were definitely valid, but we knew this was a free-to-play game as a service and it was going to improve. And that's exactly what it's doing. I think they, so they've been, they've been building this up slowly, quietly, even in the background. I think they need that big piece of content. The thing that like kicks in the door and reminds people that it's still Halo Infinite, still a thing. And I, I still feel like it's whatever certain affinity is working on. And the fact that they've been quietly getting this game back on track. Uh, and a lot of that's due to, they, they did a bit of a shakeup in the, in the game kind of behind the scene. I know Pierre Heinz, hence uh was was then placed kind of in control of the situation and they were able to fix master chief collection so i did have confidence that that they could at least have a positive impact on this and i feel like they have just quietly in the background here but now that they've set up because if you go into halo infinite now there's a lot of content there are maps there's forge integration and it seems like they're taking that to the next level with ai and I think they're talking about like not just AI in the game, like you can have different enemies. And stuff. I feel like they're tying it into AI with what Microsoft is doing outside of gaming. And I think they figure it out with this content drop from certain affinity tied all together. I feel like Halo is actually set up nicely for a, a, a big time comeback, actually. Yeah, I think it's definitely positioning itself in that type of situation where it can make a major comeback it may never hit the highs of its heyday like halo 3. Yeah, cool. it may, oh, okay, it may yeah. never get there again yeah but it's definitely refinding that audience the lapsed fan is coming back because the gameplay of halo infinite has been praised the mm, gameplay is fantastic the only issue that the game was suffering from back when it launched is that there weren't enough game modes there weren't enough maps and you know, things just began to get a little stagnant if you were playing the game for hours on end for those opening months. Now there are a lot of maps. There's new game modes, there's new weapons, there's new equipment. The game is expanding. And if they can continue to do this and they can drop the battle royale mode from certain affinity, let's say in 2025, maybe first half of 2026, just as some hypothetical windows, that's going to bring in a whole new audience and maybe then halo infinite just really has that boon moment where people say okay let's go i am back on board with what halo is going to be i can see what 343's vision is or what microsoft's vision is for this franchise now let's see what the future holds when it comes to new campaigns and such but if they can get their hooks into you with the multiplayer and continue to expand and just improve upon things this is going to turn into one of their more successful Halo, you know, products, in my opinion, in the long haul. And people just react in the immediacy of a product that they fail to see the big picture. And the fact that Halo just continues to improve with each passing year and shows no signs of slowing down, this game is going to continue to transform. And in a year from now, it's going to be completely different than what we're playing today. And that just shows the level of commitment Microsoft does have to this particular release. And 343, who knows what their roadmap really is internally. Is it another five years? Because I believe some of the rumors dating back to 2021 was a 10-year plan. So come year 10, this game could be completely different 
than what we were experiencing back in 2021. And I think a lot of gamers are going to come back to the game. It's also going to lure in a lot of new players who just get that positive word of mouth. And it's going to be that curiosity of, let me see what it is. And if you were to come to Halo Infinite now, you'd be wondering why were people complaining about this back in November of 2021? Yeah, I, I, I'm much more positive now on the future of Halo after seeing this, this turnaround from them. So I feel like the future is, is better for it. And I just, I got to see what's there. It, it feels like they've been working on it for a long time. So I hope it's substantial. A battle Royale mode would be great. Sure. Throw it in there. It's proven to work with other games, but I kind of hope it's a very creative spin on battle royale and that's one of the reasons it's taking so long because it's not going to be by the book it's going to be kind of that halo take on the idea i still think it'd be a fun idea to to have a bunch of like like um spartans kind of in training who get put on like an island as like a war games thing and that's sort of how they explain it but then they do (laughs) different things within that island that maybe at points the flood invades you have the covenant dropping in Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool things they can do but that's where i am now i think they've made it work here so far by building it back up it just needs that big explosive release with certain affinity and i think they're off to the races yeah i mean it just took a few years to get there and some people will say well they should have delayed it no by them releasing it the way they did they're able to get community feedback and they're able to improve the game based on what the fans were saying and they're going to continue to refine and tune this game and when certain affinity does drop the rumored battle royale depending on how they designed it it could be a winner for them because no one really has an idea of what they're going to deliver here but as you mentioned battle royale is a you know proven thing at this point for a multitude of franchises so if halo does it well this could be a true combat evolved moment for the franchise I'm looking forward to it. But those are all of our topics for today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Again, you can check us out over on the Spawncast Network, patreon.com slash Spawncast. We'll also have a bonus show up for members there. That'll be just uh, exclusive for the members and the different questions that they were asking us. So make sure you check that out after you join up over on the Spawncast Network. And for myself and Nate the Hate, that's going to do it. We will be back in about a week and a half or so with the next episode, and we'll see you guys then.